Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. Let me begin by wishing you a Merry Christmas. Christmas is one of the most sacred times of the year for people all around the world. Especially this year, when the world is witnessing so much violence and war in the Holy Land, we look desperately for a source of peace and hope. This is, after all, the message and the meaning of Christmas. The message of hope was delivered in ancient days by angels. So today, I'm going to look at the announcement of hope as it comes from angelic messengers in the Gospel of Luke. We could use some angelic visitations today. The word angel, by the way, comes from the Greek word angelos, which means messenger. The first story comes from when the angel Gabriel came to Zechariah to announce the birth of his son, who would be named John the Baptist, the one who came to prepare the way of the Lord. In Luke 1:11, we read, Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing at the right hand of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before them to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know this is so? For I am an old man, and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak, until the day these things occur. Zechariah's reaction to the appearance of the angel is a common one and expected. He's terrified. Zechariah even argues with the angel because He said that he he and his wife will have a child, and they're well beyond childbearing years. Zechariah is just saying what experience and common sense would tell him. In this case, however, using common sense keeps Zechariah from hearing the true message. Because of his lack of faith in the message, the angel imposes a punishment on him. He's struck dumb. He will not be able to speak until the child is born. Now, this is a serious punishment for Zechariah, since he is a priest in the temple, and he's unable to communicate with the people. Having read this story before, we know that Zechariah will not recover his speech until after John is born. This brief encounter with an angel tells us something important about how we respond 
to these heavenly messengers. It teaches us that knowing is different from believing. By their very nature, the messages of the angels are so surprising that they fall out of our normal range of expectation and understanding. True messages of hope, in fact, defy our normal logic and expectations. That's what makes them so profound and so important. If I were to tell you, for example, that the war in the Middle East would end tomorrow, it would take a great leap of faith for you to believe that message, considering the situation now. Angels bring shocking messages. Well, the role of the angel Gabriel is not done yet, however. He now appears to Mary. Mary was a kinswoman of Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, and so the message that she is about to receive relates directly to what the angel said to Zechariah. We read, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her, who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed. The similarities between the announcements to Zechariah and to Mary are quite apparent, but they magnify each other. They both are an announcement of an unexpected and unlikely birth. Elizabeth's pregnancy is notable because she is beyond childbearing years. Mary, on the other hand, is a young virgin, which makes her pregnancy even more unlikely, impossible. Mary, like Zechariah, is startled when the angel appears to her and she has some questions. This doesn't make sense, she said. But Mary's ultimate response to her encounter with the angel is quite different. Despite her inability to understand what is happening, she believes. She submits herself to God's will, saying, Here I am, servant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word. Mary's innocence coupled with her obedience, makes her one of the most beloved figures of the Christian faith, the mother of our Lord. 
Mary goes on to sing a song of praise, and it's become one of the most beautiful statements of faith ever made. It's called the Magnificat. And Mary sang, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him, from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arms. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Now, beyond Mary's story, there's a final angelic announcement that Luke documents, not just from one angel appearing to one person, but from a host of angels to a group of people. Listen to this treasured story of the angels appearing to the shepherds in their field. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place which the Lord has made known. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. And when they saw this, they made known to to them what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Here ends the reading. Once again, the response to the angelic messengers is one of fear, even terror. The shepherds were ordinary people, employed in an ordinary job, tending sheep. They were not temple priests, or even necessarily very religious people. But that's what's important about them. They represent you and me, in this divine drama. The shepherds are convinced enough that they're willing to go and check out what the angels told them. They have the advantage over when Zechariah and Mary heard their message that they are able to immediately see the fulfillment of what the angels promised. Like Mary, the shepherds don't stumble over their lack of understanding. They are awed and amazed by what they see. They, in turn, go out and share what they have seen with others. They report the appearance of the angels 
to Mary and Joseph and confirm Mary's faith in what the angels had said to her. And then they go out and spread the message to other people. Now they have become the messengers in the place of the angels. You know, in the weeks surrounding Christmas, children around the world will be taking part in Christmas pageants, and some of them will play the shepherds and the angels, reenacting the story from the time of Jesus' birth. It is as though the angels and the shepherds are still speaking to us today, and they are. And they can still speak through us today as we witness our faith. It is likely, no matter how much we treasure Christmas, that we too in our hearts, our heart of hearts, will question the announcement of the angels. This just can't happen. Life doesn't work that way. We may be afraid, for one reason or another, to open our hearts to the possibility of the impossible. That, in a world filled with suffering and pain, God truly sends us a Savior. For people at the margins of the world, facing difficult situations, what matters most is someone who share in their experience, stand with them, and walk with them. And that's also the story of the Incarnation in this reading. Not simple assurances that God cares for us, but the fact that God will share in the common experience and journey with us in our everyday lived context. You and I have that assurance at Christmas that even though Jesus was born 2,000 years ago, God is still with us in his presence. And no matter what struggles you face this year or have faced, look to the angels and look to the shepherds and hear Mary's loving song of hope. You are not alone. In my year serving in a congregation, my favorite moment of the year came during the Christmas candlelight service, and I had the privilege to read the beginning of John's gospel about the light coming into the world as I watched the flickers of, of flame spread throughout our sanctuary from person to person. For me, and I imagine for the other worshipers, that was the most hopeful moment of the year. And so now, in closing, let me share that reading with you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. 
He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became fleshed and live among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Amen. Now allow me to join with the angels and proclaim to you that Christ the Savior is born. Merry Christmas.